I'm Edda. I'm Ryan. And this is Work Feels. We acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the lands on which we work and live on and pay our respects to Indigenous elders past and present. Sovereignty has never been ceded. It always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Hey team, welcome to the next episode of Work Feels. Today we are talking about sustainability and work and specifically inner sustainability. That's right team, we're going to do a deep dive into the link between our daily grind and the daily burn of the planet. Sustainability can be a super overwhelming topic and it means many different things, but we're going to look at some key areas of your typical work life and how it can be way more sustainable and positively contribute to the current climate from an environmental, social and economic perspective. This topic is very close to our hearts and as some people know, we have been on the sustainability bandwagon for quite a few years now. Just a few. (laughs) We started uh, in fashion and now we are onto the workplace, but we'll be learning about inner sustainability this time and hearing from our listener story, as well as interviewing our brilliant guest, Matta from Norway, who's the co-founder and creative director of Awake, a communication agency that focuses purely on sustainable development projects. But first, Ryan... How are you? It's been a minute. It has been a little minute, (laughs) as I'm sure all the listeners uh, will will attest to. Um, I've been very, very well. I've been good and and I've also been bad, (laughs) as you can probably (laughs) hear in my voice. Um, I've had uh, dealt with two colds in the last, like, five or six weeks, which has been pretty nasty. Um, But the good is that my new job is absolutely excellent, um, Amazing! I am just loving uh, my new my new role, uh, my new workplace. The culture is um, top tier, definitely one of the best I've ever worked at. Um, and it's like far out. You just you just don't <laughs> you don't realize how hectic or like bad something is until you've like stepped away from it. And the kind of like state that you maybe have worked yourself up into and you were just like maintaining this like constant, very high level of like adrenaline and stress and anxiety about your work. So and sort of just convincing yourself that it's fine. Yeah, it's, it's fine. fine. It's fine. You it's know, normal. Just, it's normal. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, there's yeah. good things. There are good things. Yeah, and just like constantly trying to tell yourself, like, oh, it's great that I'm so busy. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's great that I'm working at nighttime all the time. And no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's really not. So it's been really nice to come into an organization that is. It's a. It's a much bigger organization, which I think. Um, I think helps with that little bit of corporate structure, which has been very nice. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think some listeners can probably attest to going from like maybe a a smaller, like, you know, loose, um, slightly more chaotic (laughs) office environment. And then if you transition to a slightly bigger company, you're like, oh, okay, it's much calmer because there's just a lot more people to do a lot more jobs. Um, uh-huh. but overall, yeah, it's just been fantastic working on some beautiful projects, um, uh, in and around Sydney. Um, and yeah, amazing people, lovely culture. Um, they just value, um, so just great alignment with the values, which is, I feel very privileged to, you know, finally, mm. finally landed in like a workplace where I'm like, yep, yeah, like tick, tick, tick with you know, aligning with values about, you know, progressive ideas about the world and about people. So, yeah, it feels good. Just got to get rid of all this phlegm, you know? (laughs) Oh, amazing. That is, it really is a privilege because not everyone gets to feel good at work. And I think the latest stat from Gallup uh, is that there's 23% of the workforce, global workforce today is engaged and everyone else is just floating by. Just floating on by. <laughs> just floating on by. Or stressing on by, you know. <laughs> yeah, yes. 
Um, well, that is really great to hear, Ryan. I'm so glad that you're in a good place. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a big relief, and I feel like I've been kind of like decompressing for like the last seven, eight weeks. Um, mm-hmm. And I have a slight theory that maybe because I've kind of been decompressing and just getting a bit more relaxed that I think my body is like, oh, hey, germs, you want to come in here? Mm. No worries. <laughs> mm. The guard has been let down. Come on in. Um, yeah. I could sound like a bit of a um, crazy person with that that um, theory, but, you know. <laughs> no, I think, I think that's a thing. You know, when you start to relax, mm. you... Maybe I think like maybe the adrenaline wears off a bit and that has been fighting the germs or something. Yeah. It's 100% happened to me on holidays before. Has that ever happened to you Mm. on a holiday where you're like working, 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 and then you go on a holiday and like two days later you've got a cold? Yes. Yes. Can relate. Anyway. (laughs) Speaking of colds, (laughs) how have you been, Edda? (laughs) Oh, you know, well, um, I've also been unwell. I've been sick, uh, which is really just boring news. <laughs> boring news to everyone, <laughs> but hey, <laughs> we're giving you the real info but here on Brent and I, we caught something uh, f- and we just didn't get better for about three weeks. Poor little Brent. So that was quite the marathon. Yeah, so here's the thing. Um, I also have some theories and some hot tips mm-hmm. um, coming from a bit of a different angle. Uh, not so much about the workplace, but about working working mums, working parents. So I decided to put Bryn into daycare because I thought that would enable me to do a lot of work. Productivity is going to get a massive boost. I'm going to be unstoppable. Mm-hmm. It's a great idea. Yeah. Got him into daycare. Was very excited. He did day one at daycare snot started to run and I thought that's that's not good but I'm gonna I'm gonna make him go for day two I felt a bit bad but I actually had a huge day that I had to do so I just I just wiped the snot away and I just said you know hopefully they don't send him back and it was fine he stayed the whole day however two days later we were both totally flattened uh so so, yeah, so we've been sick for, like, forever. We've been sick for so long and I've just done nothing. Like, my to-do list was so long. Just piling And then up. after about, yeah, after about a week of being sick, you just get to this point where you look at your to-do list and you just go, fuck it. Like, it's just not going to get done. And you basically just put it in the bin. And three weeks later, I emerged and I was like, I don't think I actually have anything to do because you're just so used to not doing anything. (laughs) So I just, I'd forgotten what the original to-do list was. So just as a reminder to everyone out there, if you have a really long to-do list that you think is extremely important and you must get everything done, um, a lot of the things on that list probably could wait three weeks. So give yourself a break. Hundred um, percent. Give yourself a break. And and but all daycare is just a one way ticket to Germtown. Daycare is a one way ticket to Germtown. Also one of the most expensive tickets to Germtown. So hear me out. So here's a hot tip. If you want to put your kid in daycare, this is what I recommend. First, step one, do not put them in daycare. Step one is take them to the library. Let them lick all of the blocks. Do this probably for about four weeks. Ensure they touch all of the other kids. Catch everything. Catch every germ. Build that immunity. Just be sick for whatever. Be sick for two months, three months. But it's free. It's a free virus. You can get free viruses from the library. You do not need to pay for them. If you put your child in daycare so that then they can catch the viruses there, you're paying big bucks because you have to pay for daycare even though though they don't go. So it's a very expensive virus. So I really feel like I've been in the very expensive virus business now for about three weeks. And so not necessary. Could have got it for free from the library. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I love that though. But 
Yeah, I mean, I th- I think I'm 100% on board with that theory because really <laughs> you're taking this precious little angel with the most pure little immune system who hasn't been exposed to anything and you're like, great, well, I need to get heaps done. He needs to start socialising, so let's pop him into daycare. Jokes. <laughs> Jokes. <laughs> oh, oh, well. Yes. Anyway. So, yeah, we, on the, we on the returned mend. to daycare we're on the mend. We did return to daycare today, so he's back after three weeks of being away. Um, and I'm just bracing for the next one. I'm not even writing a to-do list. I'm just, it's not even worth it. I'm just ready for the next virus. Uh, anyway, enough of uh, virus chat on the pod. <laughs> Getting back to our topic, everyone. All right, so let's get into it, Edda. Sustainability. Goodness me, just the word makes me overwhelmed, to be honest. Mm -hmm. But I think the feeling right there is one of the biggest issues we're facing as humanity. So just to refresh everyone's brains, I mean, sustainability is a term that has been thrown around like for decades now. And I think everyone's, everyone's heard of it. Everyone's probably a little bit burnt out by hearing about it. And maybe it's kind of lost a little bit of meaning. But just to get back to the the OG definition of sustainability, um, it was proposed in 1987 by the World Commission on Environment and Development. It stated, by ensuring that the needs of the present generation are met without affecting the ability of future generations to meet their own, sustainable development can be achieved provided that environmental, social and economic aspects are dealt with jointly in the short, medium and long term. Now, that's a pretty huge overarching definition, but I think it's important to keep it in mind. When we start thinking about it, it all seems too big, too impersonal, too hard for any one person to solve or make tangible change. I think most of us have the good intentions to live more sustainable lives, but we typically don't have the energy, attention span or mental bandwidth when we're all just simply burnt out from the intensity of everyday life. And a lot of this has to do with our jobs. It's really hard to squeeze in time to help solve complex issues like climate change or systematic social issues. In between the demands of our jobs to constantly achieve more and more, day in, day out, year after year, increase productivity, fuel constant growth, plus, you know, maintain social lives, families, health and fitness, side hustles, posting that quality content, and far too much scrolling. We rarely find ourselves having time to think about how our everyday behaviours and actions could impact the planet, our culture, and the economy. But we're really getting to a tipping point. I know we've all heard this over and over again, but it's no joke that we are looking at exceeding well over 1.5 degrees warming in global temperatures, and Australia is one of the worst performing developed countries. Plus, add to that the increasing gap between the wealthiest and poorest Australians, ongoing social issues that haven't changed for decades, and the cost of living spiralling out of control. And we find ourselves in the current shitstorm of a situation that is 2023. So it really got Edda and I thinking, what's a different way of approaching this enormous issue? Cue Inner Sustainability. Inner Sustainability is a movement that is building rapidly. We haven't heard much about it in Australia, but we'll be hearing and seeing a lot more over the next few years. I can feel it. Uh, But this movement was born out of a need to speed up our progress towards sustainability and specifically the UN Sustainable Development Goals. Let me explain a bit about the backstory to why inner sustainability is gaining so much momentum. Us humans, we are pretty clever. We have identified that there are numerous critical global challenges like climate crisis, poverty, sustainable energy, social injustices, healthcare challenges, disparities in access to education around the globe, and many more. We know what our problems are. We have even organized ourselves and agreed on the 17 UN Sustainable Development Goals, which sets out what we need to achieve by 2030. We have a lot of knowledge. We have the ideas. We have ideas about what could and what ought to be done, strategies, 
clever measurement tools. We've got reports. We've got paperwork. We've got websites. We've got spreadsheets. We've got interactive tools, fancy conferences, powerful speeches, you name it. We've got it. However, our progress in achieving these goals is underwhelming. Our pace of progress is far too slow. So the idea behind inner sustainability is that we actually need to look inward so that we can truly pull up our socks and start smashing the global goals to-do list. A switched on crew of people in Sweden came together and created a project called the Inner Development Goals or IDGs for short because they identified this. We talk far more about what ought to be done to resolve the problems in our world Then we talk about how to build skillfulness among the actors who are in a position to make our visions happen. These collaborators created a framework of transformative skills for sustainable development, which is open source and it's free for anyone to use. These are skills that we don't typically learn in school. The IDG's framework represents five dimensions and 23 skills and qualities, which are especially crucial for leaders who address the SDGs, but are fundamental for all of us. So what is inner work, inner growth, inner sustainability? This is what our episode is all about. The IDG's framework has 23 skills, some of which are having an inner compass, complexity awareness, humility, self-awareness and optimism. There are 23 skills in total and they're all highly relevant to our day-to-day working lives and how we can be more effective, more inclusive and more purposeful in everything that we do. All right, team. So now we've got a bit of an understanding of the link between our jobs and sustainability. Let's hear from our listener story from Jackie. Hi, my name's Jackie. I'm an eco-business owner living in Adelaide. My spark for my interest in sustainability was linked to being a person that's always seeking a greater purpose in life. In grade five, I proclaimed to my teacher that I was going to be a missionary and travel the world telling people about Christianity. It made complete sense to me. That if our time on earth was just a test to get to heaven, then what the hell are we all standing around for? Let's get out there. There's people that don't know that that's a situation here and they're going to die in the fiery depths of hell. I couldn't understand why weren't we all more outraged and active about this situation. Fast forward into high school where a drought took a decade-long hold of my hometown in regional Queensland. Similar thoughts came to my mind. Why are we taking so long to act? The problem, however, was much more tangible than my grade five dilemma. When you could see the water coming out of the taps was brown and smelt like soil. It was truly a mystery and a frustration to me that the adults had voted no against having recycled water. The first time I got to vote was Kevin07 with his mantra of climate change, climate change being the great moral challenge of our time. And I was stoked that our Prime Minister was going to take care of it all. So I didn't have to worry, right? Unfortunately, that wasn't the case as we all know now that we're in a climate disaster. And I saw business as my vehicle to make change and that's where I've um, eventually ended up uh, over the years. I sound like a real stickler or kind of hardline environmentalist but I'm not. I think being judgmental about um, others is not helpful in making change in my experience. What you can do is help them see alternatives gently and kindly open their eyes to new things. So some sustainability initiatives that I've introduced to previous workplaces have been along those lines. Um, One that was quite a fun success was 
when I was living in Sydney and working in a big office. Being a graduate at the time, didn't have many work clothes. And I saw my, my kind of more experienced and older colleagues having, you know, full wardrobes that they needed to get rid of some items. So we organised, well, I organised a clothes swap in the office and the CEO in particular had um, gorgeous clothes. She'd been, you know, in the work uh, professional world for so long um, at a high position. So she had these lovely things. It was just so wonderful and empowering uh, to see, you know, the younger people in the workforce going around wearing these CEO's clothes um, and for her to say, oh, hey, Jackie, oh, I love that zebra cardigan on you and form almost that kind of personal connection to across all different levels of the organisation. So it had the obvious environmental impact, but that social kind of currency and a bit of social spark between colleagues as well. One thing I would say is just work up a bit of courage and see what people are into. Just put an idea out there. The worst thing that can happen is people say no and absolutely nothing lost. Thanks so much, Jackie, for sharing your story. It it's uh it's really nice to hear a positive story from the workplace. Yes, absolutely. I really liked what she said about judging each other being really unhelpful, particularly when it comes to sustainability, because I think everyone's um, you know, trying to do their bit and sometimes it's really difficult. Um, but I think taking that kinder approach and more like collaborative approach to doing things is really nice. And I thought it was really in alignment with the IDGs as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, speaking of, it is now time for our interview with Matta Hansen, who is the creative director co-founder and partner of Awake, which is a communications agency single-heartedly working with sustainable development and inner sustainability. She chats to us from Oslo in Norway, and we're so happy to have her on the pod. Thank you for making the time to chat with us. Thank you so much. Awesome. All right, we'll get started. Tell us your story. You started out as an art director. Um, what got you started in the world of sustainability? Yeah. Um, yeah, before I started uh, Awake, the company that I now work in, uh, I worked uh, 10 years in the advertising uh, industry. And I always got really excited when the projects involved sustainability because it really gives me a sense of purpose and it feels really meaningful to get to be able to um, drive that positive change. And it's also a really deep emotional connection for me, both with like uh, getting both people and planet to thrive. That, uh, that touches my heart. I get really excited when people show their true selves and when they discover new parts of themselves and also like the power of collaboration. Uh, I think that's something that gets me emotional. And also I have a deep connection with nature, just like being in nature, uh, activities and also recreation. And I have also cried because nature is so beautiful. Uh, there's been times of that. And then I have like, um, I was a kid that was very like, like I sat and wondered a lot, like, why does everything exist? And why is it like that? And what is this? Like, I was a re really wondering kid and that ha hasn't stopped. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So I, I just love solving like complex problems and wonder how we can push the limits um, to create solutions. Yeah. I'm sure this episode will also help other people start to wonder, wonder about our world and about the future. 
And we're excited to bring a little bit of Scandinavian flavor to this episode. Something that we think a lot about is sustainability, individual and collective well-being, psychological safety at work, and how these worlds interact and intertwine and collide at times. Matte, you're based in Norway, in Oslo. Mm. We are very curious about work cultures from all around the world, but I've, I've compiled a few statistics about Norway, um, which I will share. So population of um, 5.5 million or five and a half million. Uh, Norway apparently ranks eighth on the happiest countries in the world list. And as a reference, Australia is 11th. Uh, the gender pay gap, I read a couple of sources that said it was 11%. However, the SDGs are reporting around 4.8%. So maybe you can help us um, navigate through the uh, different statistics there. However, speaking of the SDGs, which I thought was unbelievable. I mean, it's not unbelievable, but being in Australia, in a country where we haven't achieved any of the SDGs, uh, Norway has actually achieved five SDGs. Uh, which include no poverty, gender equality, affordable and clean energy, reduced inequalities and partnerships for the goals. Mm. Marta, could you tell us a little bit about the Norwegian workplace and what are current employee concerns, trends and hot topics? Yeah, that that was a, a lot of information about Norway. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I, I believe... Uh, on the happiest uh, country list, it is is it is both uh, stressed out people here as well. And uh, but I I don't know what the, the terms are for creating that uh, happiest list. But what we see as a big uh, issue nowadays, not just in the Norwegian workplace, is that it's an all-time high burnout from employees. And the stress levels are increasing. Uh, that is all over. And also with sustainability, sustainability strategies are not anchored in organizations. And in big organizations, many employees don't even know the direction or uh, don't understand uh, the sustainability strategies. So you have like people that are burned out and also sustainability strategies that are not in place or not understood. So that is like a, a an issue or a hot topic I see uh, in the sustainability field. And uh, I believe there's a lot of like unfilled potential in companies because you have a lot of employees and then you have a lot of ambassadors in those employees that could drive this sustainability uh, revolution, um, but they don't know where your company is heading or even why. We also get like that uh, when we go around and talk about how to communicate sustainability. Uh, many companies haven't asked themselves, why do we care about this? It's just like from the, from the top, uh, we have to do this. We have a responsibility. But yeah, why do you care? And how do you expect others to care about your sustainability work if you don't know the reason why you care yourself? So that is one thing. And then also um, many companies are scared about communicating sustainability for many reasons. Like they are scared of greenwashing and uh, saying something wrong. And yeah, so that is also an issue we are we are tackling. But when it comes to the Norwegian workplace, and I've also been in Australia and had like 15 interviews to get a job in advertising. <laughs> that was God. in 2018. <laughs> um, and I saw one difference from the Australian workplace to the Norwegian one. And that is that in Australia, uh, you're more open with your emotions and it's acceptable. Uh, for instance, and this is like a shock to many <laughs> Norwegians when I tell them this, for instance, in those interviews, 
four of the creative directors that I met with actually cried during the interview because I told them a personal story. And that was like really wow for me because I have never experienced like leaders uh, in those like kind of positions be so vulnerable and actually to the point that they are crying in an interview, which would in some uh, areas probably be seen as unprofessional. But I think that's a huge power to be that vulnerable with uh, the employees. And I also saw like, if you think outside the workplace, like I I had one time when I was going to this, uh, going on this bus in Australia and the, then the bus driver was like, how was your day? What did you do? Like asking me a lot of questions. <laughs> and there was a queue behind me and I was like, um, <laughs> yeah, I did this. Oh, did you go shopping? What did you buy? I'm like, do we have time for <laughs> Some... that would never happen in Norway like we're like uh, really like uh, in our own little world yeah yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah look some some um yeah. especially taxi and uber drivers as well in Australia they can be extremely chatty to the point sometimes where I'm yeah. like okay just I don't want to talk about my entire day right now <laughs> Just get me to where I'm going, pretty please. Thank you. But I love that though. There is a great friendliness, I think, to Australia as a whole. Most most places you go are, mm. are very very friendly. Um, but that's really interesting that you. I, I wish I could bring someone to tears in an interview. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> you must be an incredibly good storyteller and um, and an interview interviewee to to do that. That's amazing. Thank you. Your communications agency, Awake, works exclusively with sustainability clients and initiatives and also has a focus on inner sustainability. What is inner sustainability? And as an employee, how do you awaken it? Yeah. Inner sustainability is all about the human resources, like how we feel on the inside, how to manage our inner self and how we collaborate and all the qualities we have inside. And also like applying nature's wisdom and think in interconnected systems and use like your whole body intelligence, both with like creativity and play and intuition and uh, meditation, well-being. It's a big topic I could talk about for hours. But basically, if I should narrow it down, it's like outer sustainability is technology, finance, politics, which is well needed and uh, really from like a headspace. And then you have inner sustainability, which is health, well-being, creativity, senses, play and consciousness and caring. Um, And those are from a more heart and gut kind of place. And we need that combination to actually have a holistic uh, view of sustainability and both get people and planet to thrive together. That whole ecosystem needs to be working. So that is the uh, approach. And then inner sustainability, I think, had have had a lot of different names up through the years, but now it has a really big global movement. That is also because of the inner development goals, which is the new inner goals in sustainability um, that are created to actually tackle the challenges we are facing in sustainability and have the qualities and the, the, the skills needed to tackle that and get us closer to, uh, to reaching the UN sustainability goals. So. It's all connected and it's like in awake, like how to awaken this with an employee. The simple answer is inner practice and to do something every day till it gets like automatic. Because we, in awake, we have had this inner and outer perspective since we started. And that's some of the reasons why we called awake as well. We use a lot of different methods and tools 
to uh, have that inner uh, sustainability in, uh, into our company and as a part of us. And it's, it, it may uh, seem like that will take a lot of time, but it actually keeps us more efficient because we have created like a, a sense and respond kind of thing where we also ch- uh, always like check in with ourselves like how is this how do we reflect we have like before a meeting we we always have a, a check-in where we like feel okay where where are our uh, energies right now how should we approach this meeting what is the intentions short check-in and uh, doing gratitude exercises or uh, meditate at work but we also have like deeper uh, exercises where we have a whole day of inner work to reflect on bigger topics or to really get into it. And we also teach this to companies, the awake way, like how to integrate inner sustainability yeah. into a company. Yeah. And I guess there's that, the more you can kind of ingrain those inner sustainability practices to people, um, the more emotionally connected they become mm. to sustainability initiatives um, and, and things that eventually hopefully has a big flow on effect to the outer sustainability um, processes and, and, and the impact that it has. Um, so I guess it's, it's also really nice to hear about, I guess, a more human-centered, a very human-focused way of working rather than just looking at the external kind of like goals or, um, you know, deliverables and things like that, that by actually working on ourselves, we can make all of those external factors perform much, much better. Absolutely. You can just think about yourself, like, how is it if if you're an employee that are stressed, you don't have an emotional connection to the sustainability work, you're maybe you're fragmented, you're out of balance, you're put on a spot like you have to uh, work with sustainability and create this m- massive impacts with this massive uh, challenges we're facing. And your inner world is like, oh, I can't even handle myself right now. And on top of that, I should handle all of this. And change starts within. So that power to actually create change, you have to do the inner work. Mm. Yeah. And sustainability does have that really overwhelming sense to it. And I think that, yeah, getting people to hang on, okay, you don't need to solve the whole planet's problems. Just look, look inwards first and see what that can do. Mm. Yeah. For sure. It makes me think of this article. Uh, I think the title is something like Burnt Out People Are Burning Our Planet. Mm. And this idea that we are kind of on this stress treadmill. And and I guess it has that kind of capitalist um, flavor or, or thread through it. What kind of feedback from companies do you get? Do you get any pushback around productivity? Or as you say, like, are, we, are you seeing that once companies embrace inner sustainability it is actually an investment in productivity how how is that conversation yeah mostly there's like hr that uh, get excited around the inner sustainability because it's part of their work but we see a lot of there there's both skeptic uh, skepticism and openness to it so there's both but people are getting used to the idea of this new moment if you if you look at the research like for for instance the inner development goals which was launched last year they had like 4000 uh, scientists working on what qualities or skills do we need and there's a lot of research of why we need inner sustainability you can think okay uh, efficiency but also okay profitable if you have a lot of employees that are not doing okay like how is that profitable just like sick leave and uh, every issue that comes with that with the burned out people that's not sustainable or profitable in any way so it's kind of a need for this uh, to implement it and yeah there can be a lot of skepticism because it's 
something new, but still it's not new. Um, we have worked with those kind of uh, issues and those kind of solutions before. The new thing is that it has gotten now a global movement attached to it. And with those uh, new goals, we see that the EU Parliament is uh, acknowledging the inner development goals as a, a framework that we have to uh, go through to actually reach the UN Sustainable Development Goals. So it's a, a political part of it. It's a science behind it. It's a big movement. We see like 250 hubs around the world are catalyzing the inner development goals. And at the wake, we are such a hub and the first one in Norway. So we are really getting into those goals. Uh, and we have worked with inner sustainability since we started in 2019. But we see this big movement now. And it's, it's like when the uh, sustainable development goals uh, came, People were like, ah, oh, okay, what is this? Okay, we have to take it in, how? And uh, guiding through that uh, and navigating through that field. And the same thing we see now with the inner goals, like how, why, <laughs> what is this? What is the data? Is this uh, really impactful for us? Should we bring it in? Like the same thing is happening now, but I believe the sooner you jump onto it, like it, it's coming high speed now. Everyone is going to jump into it. I think this is the next thing that needs to happen to actually move the 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 revolution to um, to actually reach the UN Sustainable Development Goals in time. <laughs> like we don't have so much time. We need to jump on this right now. For employees in Australia who are interested in inner sustainability and um, may not feel this movement as strongly in Australia, what mm. would be some suggestions for people to firstly um, learn more but also to introduce it into their organisations, not necessarily as managers or as decision makers but as employees who want to um, who really want to embrace inner sustainability for their teams and for their organizations, where would you suggest they start? I would start to go into innerdevelopmentgoals.org just to read up on the new framework and to understand what that is all about. And also uh, read up on uh, regenerative leadership and Lara Storms, which is a pioneer in the, that work. And then something they could do is like have a meeting where they discuss why do we care about sustainability and try to get that more emotional approach to it and emotional connection. That will be an easy step, step one. But um, there's a lot of stuff you could do. Um, but I think the first step will be just to understand what this is all about and and take it in and see how can we as a company bring this into our employees. Um, maybe there's a course, there's, I believe there's uh, hubs also in Australia. So check that out and yeah, just uh, understand it first and then try to go into the inner practice. Yes, we'll provide all of these links in the show notes for everyone to be able to click through and educate themselves around inner development. Yeah, and I think one of the core things or one of our kind of missions that Edda and I tapped into a little while ago was we really want to help just like we did with Undress, our fashion show. We tried to help make that link between your wardrobe and the planet, the climate crisis, sustainability really clear and tangible. I think with this now, with the podcast, we really want to dive into issues that show people that the way you work, our behaviors, our mental health, the, the way we conduct business, the way we manage people, work in teams, all of that does have a direct link to sustainability and to the planet. So yeah, it's it's really exciting to, to I guess, see the inner development goals um, like rising up just like the SDGs. Because I think when you say SDGs to people now in a workplace, they're like, oh yeah, I've heard of that in Australia. Like it, it has a, a fair bit of 
um, awareness now, but yeah, getting the inner development goals, I think, and getting that personal connection between you, your teams, your organization, your business and the wider planet. That's, that's really exciting to us. We really want to show people how you can start doing that. Yeah. And there you also have a lot of research if you uh, are unsure why this is uh, important. IDGs, as it's uh, short for <laughs> Inner Development Goals, they have worked with like MIT and Harvard. And it's like a huge network of smart and professionals in inner work coming together. And they also have a summit in October uh, in Stockholm where there's like three days of people gathering. This is just becoming more and more um, bigger and bigger, like a uh, movement. I have, um, I've actually purchased my virtual tickets. So if anyone from Australia wants to attend, there are virtual tickets. I do believe I have yeah. to stay up um, through the night. So um, <laughs> <laughs> it's worth it. It's worth it. <laughs> it I think it, it will be. Yeah, it's a, it's a really impressive and um, incredible movement that is that is building and I think Australia hasn't quite uh we haven't felt it as strongly over here but it's mm. as you say it's coming yeah really <laughs> brace yourselves um how um how does nature and the natural environment serve as an inspiration for inner sustainability and workplace design in your work mm. We both get inspiration from being in nature and taking an ice bath or uh, <laughs> breathing fresh air or uh, going for a hike and listening to the nature and just experience it. But we also apply nature's wisdom to our work uh, with this sense and respond uh, to like nourish the whole ecosystem that Awake is a part of. Uh, so we think of it as an ecosystem where we see the different nodes and what they need to grow kind of thing. And like nature, nature has cycles, both seasons and uh, cycles to work with at the workplace. We also work with the female cycle, like looking at our energy levels according to that and how to reflect and push and pull kind of thing where you maybe sometimes needs to step back and take a break and actually isolate yourself a little bit. And then suddenly you have a lot of energy and can create and be innovative. Um, so we, we work now, we work uh, six hours a day mm -hmm. instead of eight. Nice. Um, I but love that. <laughs> <laughs> When you found your own company, you can <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can choose. Um, but of course, sometimes we work uh, a lot of hours if it's uh, needed and we have the energy. And it's more of an organic type of work. Um, but we're still like super focused and efficient and structured. And we get everything accomplished in time. So it's not, it, it doesn't, um, it doesn't have to be either or. It's like nature, you you have both flow and you still have a good structure. Yeah, and it's like taking that rigidity and that mechanical out, out of work, like traditional work practices and, and, and behaviours and how people organise things and approach work. I also find it funny sometimes when we talk about nature, as I think a lot of people think about it as this like separate thing. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. no, 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 it's literally, we are nature. It's It's like... We are in it 24-7. Like, it's your office is still nature. <laughs> yeah. Even if, there's not even if there's not trees around your office. It's, um, yeah, it's that. I, th I like the idea of, of blending the two. I think that's a really beautiful thing. And I, I'm an architect. And, I mean, I look at the impact of nature on what I do every single day. Like, it's, mm. it's a huge part of what we do looking at you know, how buildings respond to the natural environment that they exist in. They just have to by nature. Um, so, yeah, I think that's, that's really exciting seeing like a more of a blending of, of nature and work. And I'd, I'd love to see that more in, in Australia. Mm. Yeah. And that, it's interesting though, the, the separation from nature that, that many people 
think that humans and nature's nature is too separate and that nature exists for us as a resource uh, but we're a part of nature and it's all connected and depended of each other yeah I guess when with Awake, if a company comes to you in terms of we don't know how to communicate our sustainability message, you know, because they're afraid of greenwashing or what what are you seeing lately with companies? Like what messages are they trying to communicate that they're sort of struggling with? Mm. We actually created a communication tool to tackle just that (laughs) both uh, we had like four uh, challenges. It was that companies don't have the overview of their sustainability work. They have like reports and maybe a sustainability leader, but they don't have the one pager overview. Like this is what we have done and a clear like focus uh, on it for all the employees that everyone knows. And then you have the issue of not uh, prioritizing what to communicate and with what power. So many companies uh, say like, we do all of these initiatives and we have this report and we do this and we have these certifications and everything. Look at all we have done and you can't like pinpoint why they care or what is their hard topic and what engages them because that should be the one thing on top that you talk most most about so they talk about everything because they're so scared of like oh maybe we haven't said this or said this uh and then we will be we're greenwashing because we haven't uh, talked about it um of course that should be on your web page available for people but what you talk about the most should be the the one thing that you do the most initiatives on that's like close to your core uh, business that uh, everyone stands behind with an emotional connection to that they really want to like fight for if we should do one thing we should do this and then I can engage in your work not if you say we do all of this okay <laughs> what should I why should I care like everyone do all of this like or some of it like okay but why do you care why should I like a uh the receiver care about your work if you don't tell me why you care. <laughs> mm. And that that more authentic message, I think, will deliver the greatest change. Like companies just reporting amazing statistics and certifications and, you know, thousand page long reports. And it, it doesn't really have a have the greatest kind of tangible flow on effect. Mm. Having that more heartfelt message at the forefront Mm. and present and and then that leading back to affecting people on an emotional level to want to engage and be like yeah that's that's why i love working here that then has a flow on effect right to to Mm. sustainability as a you know the the overarching um goal yeah and also like um another challenge has been that uh, communicating sustainability is like a generic genre, uh, like a cliche type of way. And people are not using like the whole communication um, field in their work. Like you can use humor, you can use every part of the communication uh, field and do it like with your unique selves. Like, okay, you know what your heart topic is, but uh, how do you communicate? in a unique way to stand out well that's how you communicate regularly with your advertising or so look at it from a broader perspective it doesn't have to be this huge nature pictures and this uh, soothing voice kind of thing you can create be innovative do something else like (laughs) turn it upside down do a different emotion um yeah absolutely i think that um that's so, so similar, I think, to what we discovered um, doing Undress was that we had to try and teach people that sustainability is not an aesthetic. It's, it's not the way something looks. It's, it's yeah. a, pro- it's a process. It's a, it's such a, it's such a gargantuan <laughs> topic and, um, 
that it's it doesn't it's not a color it's not it's not no. the way someone dresses <laughs> it's not nature images on a website it's not you know because that then just becomes very shallow and, and becomes greenwashing but yeah looking at it as um you know such a enormous um process and it's the way we do things not not how they appear or how they sound mm. or anything like that yeah i think it's also quite profound this idea that everyone in an organization can have a connection to sustainability initiatives. I think it's Mm. so common, Mm. particularly with business values, we see it. You know, the values are set by maybe the CEO or the, the, you know, the leadership team or or maybe the founder. And then Mm. everyone has to just buy into the values. Like these are our values and you better change how you do things and be like the values. Whereas Mm. having this approach where every single person can sort of co-create and find their own connection and that that actually matters that's Mm. incredible I think that is a very different approach to how at least in Australia how how Mm. things are decided on particularly from a sustainability initiative perspective Um, I don't Mm. think anyone's asking um, the intern why they care about sustainability for example Mm. and then you have um the fourth challenge, which you talked about, uh, greenwashing, which is creating that safe space. Like before you communicate, check out if you're greenwashing on anything. Look at the consequences. If we go out and talk about our sustainability work, what kind of criticism can we get? And how would we answer that? And be open about the challenges. Like we're, we're here in this process and we have this challenge and we can't figure it out. We need help. Is there anybody out there that can help us and uh, collaborate on this issue? Yeah, we know we do a lot of good initiatives, but we also have a challenge that we need help with. We're trying to tackle it, but, uh, but it's difficult. And to be open about that, what opportunities can come out of that collaboration when people, if people criticize you and it could be a, a lot of good collabor- uh, collaboration in criticism. If they say, oh, why are you not doing that? Why, uh, what is this? You, okay, so you have invested in, a, a, in an airport. Why? And then you t- talk about sustainable development. Yeah, we did that because we have to, uh, yeah, the reasons why, like that company actually did that. And and then, yeah, we're trying to create a more sustainable future. Uh, how? Uh, and then also talk about um, how can we actually contribute with having this challenge. Everyone has challenges, big or small, um, and to talk openly about them and then actually get like figure out, is there something we should stop doing? Is there something we can do about it? Uh, do we need help to collaborate? Uh, like, how do we tackle this instead of just holding it to yourself and be scared about it coming out to the public? Mm. Yeah, that that constant like constructive criticism actually helps you evolve something in, into. It only helps make things better. I mean, I feel like I experience that all the time with my work as well. Like you're constantly having, if you, if you do any kind of design, it's a pretty um, obvious one that you constantly get criticized constructively for what you're doing. But it's 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 a process to create the best outcome. Mm. And I think it's it's really vital for yeah people to approach that with their sustainability message as well. Yeah. Well, we are a little bit over time. So thank you so much for uh, taking a little extra. (laughs) No worries. Is there anything that you want to plug in particular that people can go and visit and check out or um, access online? Yeah, our uh, our website. (laughs) 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 Awakeoslo.no. I love it. (laughs) No, um, the inner development goals, of course. um, But we can put those links in the in the episode yes yeah amazing well thank you so much for joining us and um all the way from norway yeah (laughs) thank you
Yes, our first our first international guest, Yay. which is exciting. Yay! <laughs> Okay, team, a huge thank you to Marta. That was a super interesting interview and amazing perspectives. And our first international guest. Yay! All right, Edda, so I've got a few takeaways. I've been marinating a little bit about everything we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest barriers, like we spoke about for a lot of people, is that sustainability as a whole, like kind of ginormous topic, seems far too overwhelming and just too difficult at the end of the day when you've got so much on your plate to deal with. Um, But I think that we can all understand some really fundamental and key things um, from something like the IDGs um, and find these new kind of small, to begin with, ways in which we can make a difference. Yeah, I feel like the IDGs have a really optimistic feel about them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that framing and even one of the skills within the IDGs is optimism, yeah. which I which I love. And I think that this kind of, uh, this toolkit, while it is excellent for leaders and people leading, you know, sustainable development uh, and progress on the SDGs, it also feels totally relatable to just anyone like you don't need Mm. to be a leader to start thinking about this and sometimes when sustainability can feel so out of control and out of your control you know it's huge corporations and it's things that are happening um globally and sometimes you sort of feel really powerless but i do feel like the iggs almost bring a little bit of that power back to yourself because you can work on these skills you can educate yourself you can read up on the ideas you can not only you know work on yourself but you can work on your team you know Mm. it just feels a lot more accessible in terms of being a part of this sustainable development and um you know sustainable revolution Yeah, I completely agree. I think that it's really interesting that it's like a a behavioral, like, and very social framework. Like, it's very humanistic. And this idea of, like, hang on, just look inwards a little bit because it's really hard to perform any of these enormous outward tasks and goals when you yourself are just a bit of, like, plate of scrambled eggs you know frazzled totally yeah it's like the unfrazzling of mine the unfrazzling so that we can <laughs> yes. actually get to work <laughs> yeah totally because i think from reading the the um uh the longer like paper about the I- the idgs is that <laughs> they're basically saying like that uh, it's humanity we, we're literally too frazzled to tackle sustainability right now and we need we need to like get ourselves right first before we're actually going to make any kind of like meaningful change. All right. So bringing it back to our working lives, I think the workplace is really an amazing place to start some of these tactics that we've learned about with the IDGs. You know, you can ask yourself some questions or your manager or your boss, you know, is there a way our workplace can reduce our carbon footprint. Can you start changing policies and frameworks to be more diverse and inclusive? Could you start to shift the culture around burnout and efficiency in your workplace? If you're in a management position, can you help your team bring a sense of authenticity and integrity to what they do? And can we start to reflect on why we're doing what we do? No matter what level you're at, what industry you're in, what we're all doing right now matters. And it does contribute to the climate crisis, to huge social issues, to, you know, we're all in this wonderful biosphere together. Um, I think particularly if you're in a leadership position, I think you really play a crucial role in all of this. You've really got the capacity to change the way things are done. And I think the shift in values and behaviors starts with ourselves. Then being able to translate it into your workplace is a really powerful idea. Looking beyond that into your community. And then I think you can really start to see some of this change. 
and then take those values to the polling booths and vote for the people that are going to drive that change and going to be behind you. Okay, team, thanks for joining us for another episode of Work Feels. Thank you so much to our amazing guest, Marta, and our listener story from Jackie. You can find Marta on LinkedIn. You can find Awake on Instagram and also at awakeoslo.no. Check out the amazing work they're doing with sustainable development and the IDGs. We really hope you enjoyed learning all about inner sustainability. We'll be posting the links to the IDGs and SDGs in the show notes and on our socials. You can find more resources on the link between work and sustainability there as well. So you too can start making those little positive changes that can have a huge flow on effect. The full IDG report is honestly fascinating team and I really highly recommend you have a read. Uh, We'll post the link to that as well. If you're interested in connecting with Jackie, our work story for some more ideas on what to start at work or to learn about her business, you can find her links in the show notes as well. Remember to rate, review and subscribe on Apple or Spotify. We also would love to hear from you. Get in touch with your work stories, any ideas or feedback. You can send us an email at hello at workfeels.com or send us a DM on socials. You can find us on IG at WorkFeelsPod, LinkedIn, just search WorkFeels. Until next time, team, I'm Edda. I'm Ryan. And this is Work Feels.